Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. Movement Toward Victory. During the time of the Old Testament, the hope of the coming Messiah caused people to come alive with enthusiasm and gave them hope hundreds of years before it actually took place. This hope is expressed with great anticipation as recorded in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, and verse number 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh, he cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and underscore, riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. The words of this prophecy gave meaning to life for those who were anticipating it by faith. Just as the hope of the glorious appearing of our Savior at His second coming gives direction and comfort to those of us who are watching and praying for His soon return. The ass, the donkey, the mule were associated with many great movements that took place on the plane of biblical unfolding. And I want us to notice just a few. Genesis chapter 22 records that it was upon a donkey that Abraham rode as he and Isaac journeyed toward the land of Moriah. They were going there at the command of God given to Abraham that he was to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. The weight upon that animal must have indeed been burdensome because Abraham was human. And yet he knew in his mind and in his heart that obedience to God was better than any sacrifice. And he was convicted and convinced that God does all things well. What a journey. What a movement that was. As step by step, this animal was carrying Abraham to the place of full surrender, to a place of assurance of spiritual victory. Is it any wonder that This man has been called a friend of God three times in the Bible. Is it any wonder that he has come down to us today bearing the title Father of the Faithful? The donkey was part of that movement toward victory in Abraham's life and living. Exodus chapter 4 
records that Moses had met with God on the backside of the desert. And on the backside of the desert, he experienced the miracle of the burning bush. He experienced the miracle of his staff being turned into a serpent. He experienced the miracle of his hand becoming like that of a leper. After objecting that he was not able to communicate to Pharaoh the commission of God, God allowed his brother Isaac to become his mouthpiece. And there, after experiencing those miracles, the Bible says that Abraham took his wife Zipporah, his sons, and he sent them on a donkey, and he returned back to Egypt, back to a place where the desperation cries of Israel had touched the heart of God. And what a movement that initiated. A movement wherein the Lord God could liberate His chosen people from that horrible captivity at the hands of Egypt and lead them to the delights of a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and with honey. What a great movement was initiated and the donkey was part of that movement. 1 Samuel chapter 9 records that it was while Saul was journeying in search of his father's lost donkeys that a movement concerning the king of Israel came to pass. You remember that it had not been God's will for Israel to have a king, but Israel desired to be like other nations. And so God allowed the desire of these people. And Saul was anointed by Samuel to be the first king of Israel. And what a movement was set in motion as Saul was searching for the donkeys of his father. First Kings chapter 1 records that upon hearing of Adonijah's plot to seize authority and wrestle the kingdom of Israel out of the hands of David and institute himself to be king of Israel, David renewed his oath, his vow, to Bathsheba. David is now old, and David is almost ready to walk to the valley of the shadow of death. And so we see David calling Nathan the prophet, and we hear him summoning Zadok the priest and giving them a command. And the command was to set his son Solomon on the king's mule and to bring him to Gihon so that all of Israel might see and accept their new king, who was strong in wisdom and fair of countenance. What a movement was started 
as Solomon rode on that mule. When we arrive at the New Testament, Matthew tells us, as does Mark and Luke and John, of a most majestic step in the movement toward victory. Thirty-three plus years have passed since the Virgin Mary gave birth to the Son of God, and the angelic host proclaimed in harmonious tones, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. And since the moment of His birth in Bethlehem of Judea, Christ had been steadily marching toward this precise moment. And now he arrives. Not a moment too late, not a moment too early. Jesus arrived at this moment right on time, just as he had been born, the Bible tells us, in the fullness of the time. I read from Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and would come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them. And bring them unto me. And if any man say aught or anything unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the fold of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him their own. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Before this day, as far as we know, Jesus had always traveled that region on foot. He had always walked, as far as we know, everywhere he had gone. And it's very possible that as those disciples went to get the animals Jesus requested, they began to wonder. Maybe they discussed among themselves why He had now chosen 
to ride. That must have seemed strange to them because he had always walked. But as they were wondering, as they were discussing, hope brightened in their hearts. Hope brightened in their hearts with joyous thought that Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem to proclaim himself to be king. Jesus is about to follow the Jewish custom for royal entry into Jerusalem. The animal on which Jesus is about to ride was the animal that other kings had ridden, other kings of Jerusalem, as they were promoted and elevated to that position of kingship. And they remembered the prophecy. The prophecy that foretold that this was indeed the way the Messiah would announce his kingship. And maybe they started repeating to one another, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Mark adds in the gospel that bears his name a bit more insight into what happened. He informs us that Jesus actually sat on the young colt and rode into Jerusalem. And I thought to myself many times as I have read this that it may have been that that young colt had never been ridden. It may have been that that young colt was untamed, undisciplined. And if that indeed was the case, what a miracle this was for Jesus to sit on that untamed, undisciplined, unridden colt. What a miracle that was. In all probability, Jesus may have experienced mixed emotions as he initiated this movement toward victory. A movement wherein man could be liberated from sin. You see, Jesus had never before in his earthly ministry permitted such a demonstration as what was about to take place. But Jesus clearly knew the result of that demonstration. Why would Jesus allow this demonstration? I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that Jesus was allowing this demonstration by his disciples, and he was allowing this demonstration by the people so as to begin to call attention to the ultimate sacrifice the sacrifice that was about to be made for a fallen, needy world. Jesus was about to allow this demonstration to fulfill a prophecy concerning movement toward victory. As the people lined the way, they begin to take off their outer garments and cast them to the ground. They started to cut off branches of trees and, and lay them on the path 
where the cult and the Christ, the two burden bearers, were about to pass. But as they did so, little did they realize in their minds and in their hearts the full significance of this entry they were witnessing. In all probability, many of those who lined that path saw in their minds and in their hearts the crown, the jewel crown they hoped would be placed upon the head of Jesus. But little did they realize that the crown would be a mesh of sharp, pointed thorns that would be pressed into a royal brow, the brow of the Son of God Himself. In all probability, many of those who lined the way in their minds and in their hearts were hoping to see Jesus soon sitting upon a throne of majesty. But little did they realize that his throne was going to be a cross, an old rugged tree. His throne was to be a cross, a cross accompanied by nails and the tearing of flesh as those nails were driven through his hands and through his feet. As a spear was gouged into his side, and blood and water gushed from that side that only counts the heart of him who had comforted the bereaved, who had healed the sick, who had fed the multitudes, who had taught the truth, who had blessed the little children. And who is that standing in the throng of onlookers? Can it be Bartimaeus, who once was blind, but, but now he sees with 20-20 vision? And there, can it be the man who once had the withered hand, but experienced his hand being made whole through the Word of Christ? And there... Can it be one of the cleansed lepers who return to bow at the feet of Jesus and worship Him with thanksgiving for His healing? And there, can it be Lazarus who once was bound in a grave, but now he is alive? And there, can it be the woman who was taken in adultery, and they desired to stone her, but Jesus lifted her up and said, Woman, go and sin no more. And there, can it be Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night and heard Christ utter those words, those glorious words, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So many people 
were part of the multitude that day, a part of the multitude whose lives had been changed by this one who was sitting on this colt, the foal of an ass. You see, their lives were a testimony, a testimony that where once there had been sorrow, now there was joy everlasting. Their, their lives were testimony that light had replaced darkness. Their lives were testimony that, that glee had replaced gloom. Their lives were testimony that love had replaced hatred. Their lives were testimony that truth had replaced error. Their lives were testimony that pardon had replaced perdition. Their lives were testimony that cleansing had replaced condemnation. Cup your ear. Can you hear them? Can you almost hear them now as they cried? Can you almost hear them now as they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can you hear them? I believe some of you can. Because some of you, just as I, can identify with them. That's exciting. That's so exciting to me, I think I will say hallelujah about now. Hallelujah for lives that were changed and lives that are still being changed by this one who is riding on the colt, the foal of an ass. Oh, but Jesus did not go to Jerusalem on that day to offer a material kingdom. For Jesus himself said, as recorded in John 18 and verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, the kingdom of Christ is spiritual. And the Bible says to enter the spiritual kingdom, we must be born again. As Jesus rode the colt, the foal of an ass, into Jerusalem, many began to turn to one another and ask the question, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? They had never seen him before, some of them. Some of them have never heard the gracious lips flow from his, the gracious words flow from his lips. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? If Adam could have answered, Adam would have said, this is the seed of the woman that shall bruise the serpent's head. If Isaiah could have answered, he would have said, this is Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace. If John the Baptist could have answered, he would have said, this is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And if God the Father had answered, he would have spoken those words like he had three times before, this 
this, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Yes, Jesus to Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of an ass that day, and the events that followed were all calculated to prepare the world and all of history for what was yet to come. You see, it was a movement of victory. A movement of victory for whosoever will accept him. Yes, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of an ass that day. But the overwhelming majority of those who saw him pass did not accept him then. And sadly, have not accepted him today. But oh my friends, soon and very soon, Jesus will be acknowledged. Every tongue shall confess, and every knee shall bow. Jesus soon and very soon will be confessed by all. This time, he is not going to be riding a colt, the foal of an ass. He's not going to be riding a burden bearer because the burden was born at Calvary. As that old hymn says, burdens were lifted at Calvary. So Christ is not going to be riding a burden bearer colt, the foal of an ass when he comes again. This time, he's going to be riding a horse. And make no mistake about his royalty. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and underscore a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and, and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. Oh, my brothers and sisters, the movement toward victory started a long time ago. And we look back to the events that, of that movement that led all the way to Calvary. 
And we claim with assurance the words that Christ spoke as He hung on that old rugged cross. It's finished. But we also look forward. We look forward with anticipation that soon and very soon the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place. And just as Jesus entered with victorious triumph into Jerusalem some 2,000 plus years ago, you and I, if we finish our course with Christ, are going to enter with victorious triumph into the new Jerusalem. And it's not going to be because of anything we have done or who we were. It's all going to be on the merits and basis of the King of kings and Lord of lords. What a movement of victory you and I are part of. Amen. And hallelujah. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.